Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good morning and welcome to Woman Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Melissa Washington, your host of Women Veterans in Business. Our show topic today is advocating for women veterans in business and our leading lady today is Lori Sales. Good morning, Lori. Good morning. Hi, Melissa. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm so so anxious to, to talk to you today, and uh, thank you for your service. And I just want to just read a, a quick bio. Uh, Lori Sales, Marine Corps veteran, author, change agent, thought leader, serial entrepreneur, and the president and, CT, and CEO of Civility Management Solutions, a pers- professional consulting firm working with the government and commercial space. Civility MS has received numerous awards since being established and listed on the Inc. 5000 for the past three years, including being selected as one of 100 minority businesses in the Maryland, D.C., and Virginia region. So fantastic to hear from you today. And I do want us to really focus on the advocacy that that you're doing, talking about women Mm -hmm. veteran business owners. But this this is a veteran's. Um, show. So let's real quickly, let's talk about you. You served the United States Marine Corps. Um, just share a little bit about what you did in the Marine Corps. Yes, and first let me also thank you for your service, right, because we don't hear that enough. So thank you for yours. Thank um, you. I joined the Marine Corps in uh, 82, uh, 1982 that is even, and the job I ended up landing was maintenance management. Uh, I worked in the S-4 office. Uh, where there was logistics and the um, accountability of our readiness at any given time for war. Um, but it was interesting to them with that job, which I fell in love with. I, we, had, we worked on this huge green machine, which was a computer, but it was huge. You used to sit across an entire desk, and everything was MS-DOS. You know, this was the beginning of that age. But initially, Melissa, they gave me and some other women Marines that were at boot camp with me the 0431, um, uh, which was actually logistics, embarkation. So we went to training right out of uh, boot camp to learn how to load and unload um, a ship. And I came out number one in my class. I was feeling pretty good about myself. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Girl, we get on our job maybe like six months in the program. They informed us, you know, with this memorandum that all four 0431 that were women we had to change over their MOSs to maintenance management because we weren't allowed on ships. And I'm thinking, now didn't they know that beforehand? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, so it's an interesting story, but I really ended up loving what I did while I served in the Marine Corps uh, because the reports that we had to complete every day went up to the commanding officer daily to alert him of the status of readiness that the equipment was at any given time. So it was a very important task, and I enjoyed it. 
so so with that as you're you know as you're looking you know eventually to to get out of the marine corps what 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 was your plan what was your transition plan well that's a good question i actually was in new Bern, north carolina uh, my last duty station cherry point and i decided to take on a job so i could ease the transition process and you know i was at that time living in the lgbtq community i I have a testimony now of not living that lifestyle but i was but you know that those days and times you know don't ask don't tell wasn't even out there yet so i thought you know what i've I've had a really good ride of seven years you know i don't want to you know just honor my service so i'm going to go ahead and get out while it's good and my parents had passed away so i was really strategically thinking through my, my exit strategy of why it was important that I do it now. And, you know, I'm the only one that got to be responsible for me, so let me see if I can make this happen. And I've got a job as a hostess at a resort in uh, the New Bern, North Carolina area, uh, predominantly working on the weekends, which was the busy times. And I was there as a hostess, so I got to dress up in business attire uh, uh, every weekend and learn how to communicate with the civilian population. And it was a, a, a good experience. It was a great experience. It was North Carolina, so I had to even learn how to deal with some things that was not so blatant in the Marine Corps, but was kind of blatant at this, at this restaurant because some of these young white employees, you know, I, had, I was challenged by them on occasion. And I was called color for the first time in my life. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she called me colored. And she wasn't meaning anything derogatory. It's just a term that she knew. Very young lady. I mean, she might have been like a high school student or something as a waitress. But that was the beginning of me learning that I was stepping into a new world that was totally opposite of the world I was living in uniform. So, so you're, you, you're there. So what, so what was next for you? What was next after that? Well, after that, I got out. And then I relocated to the D.C. metropolitan area where I live now. But I left this area. I didn't stay here consistently. I left this area. But, you know, my first job was a receptionist because I wanted corporate America. I wanted to put a suit on. You know, of course, you know, being a woman Marine, getting into uh, the police force, getting in corrections, any of that stuff would have been easy peasy just because, you know, my past of working in the military. But I wanted to come out of the uniform altogether and be in corporate America. And I took on a job at $17,000 a year and was excited, Melissa. You hear me? I was excited. <laughs> this was like 1989 because I was being offered a job. One thing we do not get in the military is skills of negotiation. I had no idea that I was supposed to negotiate my salary and not just accept it as is. And the gentleman was kind enough to kind of lean in and go, well, excuse me, ma'am, but are you sure you want to take this position at this salary? I'm like, yes, I'm so excited. Thank you. Where do I sign? I mean, she's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't don't know what you don't know, right? Uh, And for years, I did not know anything about negotiating with job salaries or or how to uh, affect outside of the military. I mean, it was years because the Internet wasn't an active area for us yet. Wasn't no one helping us with our um, resumes when I got out. 
that there was no such thing as tap. That didn't even exist. So you really just woke up one day out of your gym form, and now you got to go out here and make it happen. But what we are are people of determination. We are people of discipline. We are people of, you know, needing to have something to do, you know, and I wanted to provide for myself. So that was my first job, and after that, I just rolled into the admin assistant. Then I became an executive assistant. And I was an executive assistant for many, many years, Melissa. Uh, I bought a house as an executive assistant. I wasn't still in the six-figure earnings, but, you know, I was creeping up there to, to at least get to the area of, you know, being able to buy a home. Uh, I decided to go back to school here in the University of Maryland uh, area, and that's one of the reasons I returned here uh, after I left because I wanted to go to that school, and I got my degree, and that's when some things began to change. Still not making six figures, but I got a title of a, a program manager, and voila, I got introduced into government contracting. And it's like, wow, I like this space. You know, and Melissa, let me add, I've always been a woman getting my hustle and my grass. I've been an entrepreneur all my life, and I'm not afraid or ashamed to say it because it's just also part of my testimony, both legal and illegal. And I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I'm a girl from the urban city street. But nonetheless, I, I, I fell into that entrepreneur journey of uh, government contracting, and hence today I'm a president and CEO. Perfect, and I want to get into that, but, um, but we're going to take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors and partners. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good and are working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good and meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. Thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all of our sponsors and partners. All right, so we're, we're back um, to uh, Women, Veterans, and Business, and, and with us today is Lori Sales. And Lori was just finishing telling us about her serving in the Marine Corps, her transition out of the Marine Corps, and we left off where she was getting into working in, in the government space. So I, I wanted to continue on to that because, of course, now you, you're president and CEO of your own business. But how did – what happened there? How did, that, how did that happen? I know you were working there, but what said, you know what, I, w- I want to run my own, my own business and do this? Well, and it's because I've been um, entrepreneur-minded, you know, I mean, even though I never made six figures on anyone's job, you know, I could have possibly definitely made six figures over the year just through other hustles that I had. You know, I, you know, I um, just high level marketing, and they call it something else today. I have, which was Mel and Luca's kind of world, but I love them. I still shop with them today. Um, I did a boot camp program called Simplify Fitness in this area here in Maryland. So I've always done something to supplement my income, you know, no matter Ever since I got out of the military, before I got in the military and after, none of, no activity whatsoever of entrepreneurship during my time of serving because I, I kind of realized that wasn't being smart. But nonetheless, once I saw what this possibility was in government contracting, that me being a woman was a plus, me being African-American, a minority, was a plus, me being a, a veteran was a plus. 
I was like, oh, wow, they have, you know, specific socioeconomic statuses other than our earned one as veterans, that it's not a socioeconomic anything that's earned. Um, but those statuses allow the federal, is what the federal government uses to help support small businesses in this country. So that was like a ding, ding, ding. I need to investigate this more. And so it wasn't very long after I got into government contracting and having president CEOs that looked like me that was running the company, I was like, I need to have some knowledge on how to have my own. And I began the process of sitting in on training. You know us veterans, we know training, we like training, we understand why you have to be trained. Hence, that's why we're the best branch of the military in this world, right? Not just the Marine Corps, but all branches of the military because of our training. So I started getting myself trained up to uh, learn about the government contracting space. And um, about four and a half years in the game, really hustling it and everything. Finally, you know, some revenue started coming in that I was able to hire people and develop a, a strong business. And so with your, your business you have now, the Civility MS, what is, what is your um, primary, what, is, what are your products and services? Uh, right now, we have a plethora of offerings, actually, because we're part of the 8A program, whereas relationships, no like and trust type of relationships, we can get opportunities uh, from the federal government without competition. So we are with a subject matter expert in conference logistics. I would say 50% of our revenue at this point are things that we do with the government, uh, supporting them not just with events, but also with policy making. Right now we're overseeing grandparents raising grandchildren, uh, which is a policy being created for this country with health and human services. We're also inside the uh, Department of Homeland Security providing facilities management on a couple of times. And Georgia, National Guard, we have logistics individuals doing something very similar to what I was doing when I served in the Marine Corps. They're making sure that Georgia is always ready for any kind of um, uh, activity that the, the governor puts in them to, to act based on something that's going on in the state of Georgia. So it's been a real great journey to have different types of contracts because we are getting the chance to really find our niche. What is it that we really love doing? And, and then hone in on that, and then we become now more competitive because we have work inside of the federal government that makes it clear that we've done it before and we've done it in this agency and that agency. And so it's exciting to be getting to the time now that we are doing much more competitive type of uh, opportunities and trying to win awards as opposed to just utilizing the direct uh, awards from the ADA program. Absolutely. So, and you mentioned as far as the benefits of you being your a woman veteran, a minority woman. So you ha there's these benefits, and also too having the 8A program. And if you and some people yeah. may not be familiar with the 8A program, if you can just briefly just share what 8A means. The 8A program is something that's managed by SBA. Uh, but it's a program that was developed many years ago specifically for the disadvantaged community. Uh, uh, and at that time, definitely a strong focus on the African-American community because um, trying to get into the federal government space, not as a federal government employee, but to tap into multi-million dollar contracts, was always a challenge. 
Um, and so they decided to develop a program to open up the doors specifically for us to be able to get the opportunity to come in and perform. And it, for the most part, has been successful. I know many companies that have been very, very successful uh, in these programs. But the 8A program has a nine-year window. So it's really important that you never get it too soon. If you're interested in government contracting, you want the relationships. You want people to get to know you. You want people to like you. You want people to trust you because this is how they're able to look at your work and look at your character and make a determination that they're willing to take a bet on you to come in and to do some work. And it may not be in a multimillion-dollar status or a million-dollar status initially. It could be, you know, 500000 you know, uh, $300,000. Bottom line is it gives you opportunities to come in and perform. And, of course, when you do well, now the opportunity for you to get more work becomes much more possible. Absolutely. And so in addition to that, you're you're also very heavily involved when it comes to policy and legislation, especially around women veteran business owners. How did you how did you get involved in that space? It it, it just happened, Melissa. I mean, I, I had you know, my prayers when I was, you know, coming through this process of becoming president and CEO and maintaining my faith through the process because as I told you four and a half years that was quite a bit of time of uh, struggle of, of being determined, but yet, you know, my tenacity, I wouldn't I just refuse to give up, and I just kept at it. But before there was any money coming into civility management solutions, I was advised by one of my mentors to participate in VetForce. VetForce is an advocate arm uh, specifically uh, for veterans, and it was established by Vietnam veterans. So these guys go into different agencies and they allowed us to come and visit these agencies, but at the same time we would get information about what was going on with the policy. What what changes do we need to place? You know, if this particular agency is actually performing and giving contracts and opening up the door for service disabled to compete to get work inside of their agency. Because it's not about we just don't get the work. They have to set the work aside. Service disabled, better known, small business category has to be selected on the contract in order for you to respond to it and say, okay, I can do this work as a service disabled veteran. So that's kind of the part of the fight of making sure that all the agencies, all the agencies adhere to the policies that were established by SBA for us to be able to have opportunities to come in and do the work. And that force just led into women veterans, uh, um, uh, the women's veterans procurement circle, which was the, another entity, well, women's veteran business circle, which is another entity now that where it's just for the women veterans because we do have some differences. Uh, for example, one of the things we brought up um, when we were having this discussion with the individuals that are really the, the lobbyists and the advocates on the hill that's talking to staffers, and they want to talk. To, to us, right? They wanted to know what is going on with the women veterans, and hence that's why the WVBC was established. But one of the things we brought up was the whole marriage law, and it was not so applicable to me. I wasn't even familiar with it, Melissa, because, you know, I'm not married now, and I didn't get married when I was in the military. So I just was so disconnected from it. But the law states that, you know, if your husband dies, or in this case your spouse dies, that, you know, you have to stay unmarried until you're like 50 years old. 
or something crazy like that. So imagine someone at 22 even, you know, that's possible, right? Being married and your, your spouse passes away due to something unfortunate while they're serving. But yet you lose your benefits if you remarry before you're like the age of 50. I'm saying age of 50. I'm not exactly sure if that's the age. I don't recall. But I was like, oh, are you kidding me? So that was one of the things that we put on the platform that we were going to address um, on the Hill to see if we can have that revised. Definitely. And, you know, just in case our listeners may want to reach out to you after the show, how, how would you like them to contact you? Is LinkedIn, email, website? What's, what's the best way? LinkedIn is great at, at looking up Lori Sales, but I also have um, uh, a website of LoriSales.com, you know, because like you say, I am involved with so many other things. Uh, I do a lot of speaking. I do things that support women veterans, women in general, uh, the disadvantaged community, because I have a nonprofit called R3 that I established, uh, which is, you know, all about trying to make a difference in those communities that I actually come from. Uh, because there's still much help that's needed, despite what everyone thinks, right? We still need help. And I have been able to turn my life around in so many different corners to continue to climb and go and grow like most of us veterans were pushed to do when we served in uniform. And I want to be able to give that back in every in any way that I can. Uh, so, yeah, Lori Sales is an easy way to reach me either through LinkedIn or on um, my own personal page. Absolutely. And also, too, if, if anyone is interested in um, learning more, too, about the, the Women Veterans of the Business Coalition you have, is that also just a good way just to reach through their website or LinkedIn to get to get more information about that as well? Yes, uh, actually. Well, the Women Veterans Business Coalition, and thank you for having me get it right. I'm attached to too many advocacy things. Also, I'm attached <laughs> to the Women's Procurement Circle, and that's where the circle came out. Women's Procurement Circle is another entity, but, but Women's Veterans Business Coalition is all about us as women veterans. And they have their own website, and you can go in there and you can see the mission. You can see the other individuals that are participants at this time. Uh, it is a small crew, but of course it is. It's women veterans, right? Uh, it's a small crew. Uh, I think it's about 12 to 15 of us now at this point that are having our conversations with Hill, having our conversations with staffers um, that are really interested in what, we're, what we are in need of, especially even as entrepreneurs. Absolutely. So, so how do you think, what's, you know, what's, how can others support women veteran business owners? How can other women support us? Or just how can others, just in general, support women veteran business owners? Well, I, I'll start with something, you know, as an entrepreneur, this is something I'm always talking about, you know, we have to be intentional with how we spend our money. And, you know, we buy products and services and if we are not utilizing women veteran businesses for the products and services that they have, who else do you expect to do it? Why would you expect others to do it if you're not willing to do it? And so being intentional in that, and I love that you have really done a great job with your alliance in showing the entrepreneurs, allowing women to, to advertise their products and services, even you promoting people in their area of their products and services. And I think that that's just really one main thing that we all need to do. And whether you're a woman veteran or not, you know, it is a woman's business. So supporting each other, because it's amazingly sad how low the numbers still are 
for women business owners in comparison to the counterparts of male uh, of businesses. It is sad. And a lot of it's just because we're not intentional. We're thinking about how we're spending our money and where we're spending our money. I like the way you phrase that, being intentional, right, the way we spend our money and how we spend it and to whom. Absolutely. That's great. What's, what's, what's on, what's on uh, the horizon for you and what you're doing? Oh, wow. Well, um, I'm working hard to continue to build stability management solutions. You know, um, my goal is to become a mid-tier size firm because there's a lot of successful small businesses that are women-owned, that are better-known, that are minority-owned. But very few of us make it to a status where we actually climb out of the small business category and make our way into being a mid-tier size firm. So I am determined to be a part of that, and I'm building a legacy business. So my goal is to build a business that I don't sell, but build it like I want to sell, and so I can pass it on to others and they're, you know, to continue the momentum of stability in the workspace because that's one thing that civility really stands for. And then on the advocacy side, you know, never quitting on that. And I'm grateful. I really I thank God for the fact that I've been called upon to be a voice. Uh, I've been on that hill like five times now, uh, once on the House and, and three times on the, four times on the Senate. And, you know, at first it was a nervous wreck, of course, right, Melissa? I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I thought I'd be doing this. But once I had the good coaching and the training, and, 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 and the wonderful thing about it, ladies, that it, it had rules and regulations to it. So guess what we know how to do very well if you're a military person, following rules and regulations. So once I got that down, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can rock this. And so that's, that's a great joy because if, if I can be a part of making a difference that impacts everybody that I'm speaking on behalf of, in this case, women veterans and women veteran business owners, then it's exciting. And, and pulling along other people to say, come on and, and ride this out with me, you know, and thinking broader than just yourself. Uh, I have several speaking gigs already set up for the year in the GovCon space, and that's exciting to know that, you know, I'm, I'm considered a voice there. And uh, one thing I want to share is that none of us as women veterans need to let any of our past experiences from being in the military keep us from being the great people that we became while we serve. You know, and I love the fact that my life has opened up where I get to tap into all these things that I would have never thought I'd be attached to or doing, but I'm prepared for it. And I was preparing back when I was in my 20s, Melissa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was preparing to be a leader then. And so now that I am one at, a, at the level that I am, you know, I'm not shocked, you know, when I look back and go, Lord, you've been preparing for this really all your life, so just roll with it. So I want that for all of us that serve, is that we can do great things and we should really, really try hard to make sure that we uh, dig deep and don't say no, but say yes and give it a chance to see what happens. Absolutely. And one of the things you had mentioned earlier, and I know you've, I've heard you say this before, which is so important about our veteran status, of being an earned status. And I, I think that's, well, I think that is so important for us to yeah. have it, it, it's, it's a mindset right we have to shift right thinking of that good. right and we have to and you say it and I you know we got to keep repeating that um, and mm-hmm. just just for those that are listening as far as can you just real quickly as we end here to, to break that down as far as it being an earned status not a socio socioeconomic status 
Well, for us as women, we volunteer for sure. Nowadays yeah. we have a volunteer, but as far back as the days were days of us ever wearing the uniform and serving the United States of America in any branch of the military, we volunteered. So with that, you know, you automatically earned the status when you have successfully completed your time, whatever it was, four years, two years, whatever amount of time you served, it doesn't matter. But as long as you successfully completed it and got your discharge, then you have earned something that a lot of women do not have. And so for us to really even start speaking more about being veterans and stop letting it be the men that, that, that get the run of the show all the time, you know, it's sad to hear that, that there's still such a significant amount of women that do not want to, like, acknowledge that they're veterans and say it out loud or they're fearful of going to the uh, VA hospital. Oh, Melissa, I can't understand that one. Oh, my God, I cannot because I'm like, if you were in the military or surrounded by men, in my case, probably when I served a ratio of 20 to 1 and survived it, you certainly could survive going to the VA hospital. <laughs> yep. Well, and they're a lot older there, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, put them in his place. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. No, I know. And that's, and that's a, yes, absolutely. It is an earned status. And I, I just, I've, I feel, you know, all of our veterans, especially our women, need to to really do, to say that, right, to understand that. Yes. Yes. And be proud of it. Be proud of it because everybody else is proud of you. So you absolutely. Must learn how to be proud of yourself. You've accomplished Absolutely. a lot of great things that no, a lot of people, men as well as women, will never experience because they don't desire to serve this country. And that's okay. The bottom Absolutely. line is do not discredit it. Do not discredit it. And Most this has definitely. been such a joy to talk to you. I no, you no, this is fantastic. I, I love always talking to you, and I love when I get to see you as well, too. So, and well, yes. you know, and believe it or not, that's our show for today. So, But what a great way to end um, this show today. And i I really like to say thank you to Lori for being our leading lady today, and special thanks to all of our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, as we're on an international show. After our show today, you can listen to Woman Lead Radio on all subscription podcasts, specifically Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And we're expanding quickly to a daily radio show and podcast, so for now, we'll be back again for another live Woman Lead Radio show on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening, and have a great week. Bye, everybody. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.